0: This episode is brought to you by Paladin, the premier technology provider for multi-channel networks and digital media companies, including Maker Studios, Awesomeness TV, Studio 71, and more. The Paladin platform streamlines processes, increases efficiency, and grows revenue for media companies that represent more than 200,000 content creators and a collective 15 billion monthly views. Visit paladinsoftware.com to learn more or request a product demo. You're listening to All Things Video. I'm your host, James Creech, and this is the third episode in a four-part history about multi-channel networks. If you missed the first two parts, I recommend you go back and listen to the episodes about the precursors to MCNs and the MCN 1.0 period. Today, we're talking about the second iteration of multi-channel networks, what I call MCN 2.0, which focused on international expansion and content verticalization. The MCN 2.0 period, which lasted from approximately 2012 to 2015, witnessed a redefinition of the existing network's business models and the launch of many new MCNs who pursued a different strategy. We previously examined many of the large-scale players like Maker Studios, Fullscreen, Awesomeness, and Broadband TV who came to power in the MCN 1.0 phase. As they then entered this secondary stage, they began to look beyond national borders to fuel continued growth and satisfy investor expectations. Maker and Fullscreen both expanded into Brazil and Western Europe, while Broadband established a U.S. presence in fall 2014, opening a New York office dedicated to its branded entertainment division. The following year, Broadband TV also opened its doors in Brazil, India, France, and Japan. And in October 2015, Awesomeness TV announced a partnership with Indemol Shine Group, the world's largest production company, and a significant digital player that operates a number of MCNs in its own right. The joint venture would launch local language o and extensions of the Awesomeness TV brand and network in five key markets, the UK, France, Spain, Germany, and Brazil. Around the same time, Awesomeness also partnered with Canadian media company DHX to produce original shows for the DHX Family Channel. Local players simultaneously began popping up in Europe, South America, Asia, and beyond, promising local talent a more direct relationship, better service, and more brand sponsorship opportunities. Today, YouTube is available in 76 different languages in virtually every country in the world, with some notable exceptions like China, North Korea, and Iran. There are close to 500 MCNs globally, and some fascinating international market dynamics, which we'll explore in future episodes. But in addition to this international growth, we saw a new batch of networks crop up, this time with a focus on specific content or audience verticals. Dance On, Kin Community, Tastemade, Me Too, and Whistle Sports are just a few examples, which we'll explore in detail later on in this episode. Meanwhile, existing MCNs also began to group content by verticals, with Maker Studios forming Polaris for gamers and Awesomeness TV launching Awestruck for Millennial Moms. The resulting vertical strategy enhanced the feeling of community for creators, made it easier to service talent, and presented clear sales packaging for potential advertisers. Some MCNs started to operate more like talent management agencies, while others built out studios to develop original IP. And still others began offering brand services like YouTube channel management and influencer marketing. As YouTube continued to be an unstoppable force, networks saw opportunities to serve creators, advertisers, And audiences in new ways by leveraging their expertise in the nascent online video world. As a result, the MCN 2.0 period was characterized by a much greater reliance on brand dollars, budgets committed to MCNs for consulting, video production, channel management, direct ad buys, influencer marketing campaigns, and more. Let's take a deeper look at some of the MCNs that came up in the MCN 2.0 period. DanceOn was co-founded by CEO Amanda Taylor, Madonna, Gaio Siri, and Alan Debevois in 2010 to focus on dance and pop culture programming. The company participated in YouTube's $100 million original content initiative and began signing up-and-coming dancers and choreographers to its network. Earlier this year, DanceOn announced the creation of a new parent company, Izzo, to branch out beyond dance content with a heavier emphasis on music for today's connected generation. Another network that began in the MCN 2.0 period was Kin Community. Michael Wayne and Chris Kimball co-founded DECA, the digital entertainment company of America, in 2007 to produce digital content focused on women's lifestyle. The company rebranded as Kin Community in December 2011 after also receiving funding from YouTube's original content initiative. And they launched an MCN around women's lifestyle influencers in the food, health, beauty, and parenting verticals. In September 2014, Ken forged a strategic partnership and received a Series C investment from Canadian media company Chorus Entertainment. And more recently, Ken has announced additional funding and ambitions to expand into Australia and the UK. Tastemade is a video network focused on food and travel content. Founded by Stephen Kidd, Larry Fitzgibbon, and Joe Perez in 2012, Tastemade has raised over $80 million across four rounds, attracting investors like Goldman Sachs and Scripps Media the powerhouse behind the Food Network, HGTV, and Travel Channel. While Tastemade represents over a thousand creators, it has functioned less and less like an MCN over time, and now emphasizes original programming on its o and channels, making it look more like a digital publisher. Me Too was founded by Roy Burston, Doug Grafe, and Beatrice Acevedo in April 2012 as the first Latino-focused MCN, Early on, it began recruiting creators throughout Latin America, but it has gradually come to focus more intently on US Hispanics in recent years. In January 2016, the company announced $27 million in Series C funding, backed by Verizon, WPP Digital, and, a bit surprisingly, Awesomeness TV. Although MCNs had formed strategic partnerships, and even invested in others in the past, This was the first time a major MCN had taken a late-stage equity position in another network, a strong public signal that MCNs were carving out distinct audience and content verticals. The prevailing perspective had shifted. Online video was an already large and growing space, and MCNs no longer considered themselves as competitive with one another as they had in the MCN 1.0 land grab phase. And finally, let's take a look at Whistle Sports. The Whistle was founded in 2009 by John West and Jeff Urban, but didn't launch its MCN until January 2014. The Whistle has always taken a boutique approach to its network, representing only 400 sports content creators and working closely with them on original programming and branded entertainment. The company has raised more than $73 million across five rounds and is backed by a number of institutional investors and strategics, including NBC Sports, Sky Sports, and Liberty Global. In addition to these five core MCNs, that embodied the MCN 2.0 period, there were a few others that took different tactics. One noteworthy example is NETV, more commonly known as Freedom after its flagship MCN. Freedom was founded in 2013 by George Vanis. It's based in the Philippines but operates globally and it must hold the record for fastest growing MCN of all time. It took the MCN 1.0 channel aggregation model and pushed it to its maximum potential, Creating a standardized partner contract and building a distributed system of subnetworks, content aggregators, and talent recruiters across the globe. In just three short years, Freedom partnered close to 300,000 channels and accumulated billions of monthly views. While some have accused Freedom of multi level marketing, Freedom and many other networks that adopted a similar model helped pioneer no lock in contracts, allowing creators to leave the network at any time with 30 days' notice. Zoom and TV, for example, followed a similar blueprint in Western Europe and North America, and VSP Group, Agency of Internet Rights, and Quiz Group aggregated massive networks in Russia and Eastern Europe. These new scale players certainly don't fit the mold of content verticalization exhibited by most of the major networks from the MCN 2.0 period, but it's an interesting countertrend that would have bigger repercussions in the future. So to recap, MCN 2.0, the international expansion and verticalization phase, lasted from approximately 2012 to 2015. The second wave of MCNs that launched during this period included DanceOn, Kin Community, Tastemade, MeToo, and Whistle Sports. The hallmarks of MCNs during MCN 2.0 were international growth and a greater emphasis on specific audience niches and content verticals. As a result. YouTube ad revenue became an increasingly less important revenue stream for MCNs because foreign territories had significantly lower CPMs and fill rates, and the intense competition for talent during the land grab phase had resulted in more favorable revenue share arrangements for creators. Instead, MCNs placed greater emphasis on monetization from brand deals, which include sponsorships, branded content productions, and influencer marketing campaigns, as well as new revenue streams like merchandise, e-commerce, and content syndication. In our final episode in this series, we'll cover MCN 3.0, multi-platform expansion, and subscription video on demand. Thanks for tuning in. If you like this episode, we encourage you to share it with a friend, like our pages on Facebook and LinkedIn, and send us your questions to allthingsvideopodcast at gmail.com. At the end of this month, we'll do a special episode to answer your questions, so we want to hear from you. Thanks again for tuning in.